Blog Talk Radio. podcast episode number four, and I am your host, Sarah T. We do this half-hour podcast every Wednesday, uh, noon West Coast and 3 p.m. East Coast time. Um, all of our previous podcasts can be found up at sarahttime.com. That's Sarah without an H. Thank you. Um, including this one, which you could be very well listening to uh, that way right at this very moment. Today, uh, this week's guest is uh, Bonnie Burton, uh, author of the Star Wars Craft Book, as well as author of Girls Against Girls, Why We Are Mean to Each Other and How We Can Change, and the maintainer of the official Star Wars blog. Um, she also started Girl.com, that's G-R-R-L.com, a website back in the day when the Internet was creaking and along, and she provided many an hours of my entertainment uh, when it was hard to find things to do online. Um, I also want to remind you that next week's guest is going to be uh, Calvin Johnson, uh, founder of K Records. Uh, you can find out more about next week's show at sarahteatime.com. But let's bring Bonnie on the air. Hey, Bonnie. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, how's it going? You know, good. I say us, but <laughs> it's just me and my imaginary friend next to me. <laughs> I have to say, I really like your theme music. <laughs> oh, thank you. It was, uh, I was my like, Warwick. I was shaking was in my, my chair. It was just like, yeah, that's a good groove. I can groove to that. It's awesome. That's a that's a little sample from Delight, uh, Delight's first album. It It's one of my favorites from when I was in sixth grade. So, Oh, awesome. I don't think I ever get to hear Delight unless I'm at a wedding reception, so it's nice to hear it in another way. <laughs> another side of Delight. Well, I know, right? <laughs> speaking of music, here's something that I found out about you that I didn't know, and I'm kind of excited to tell you. I've been biting my tongue not telling you about this, but Uh-oh. I found out. No, it's not bad. anything. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I found out something about you I didn't know. You okay. used to be the music director at the radio station that I started out at. What? Yeah. You used to be at KUCB Radio, really? Girl, yes. I started That's out awesome. in in '97, very secretly. Um, I don't know. I I know you were there in '96, but I don't know how long you were there for. Yeah, I was there. I I started call. I was on the five year plan at college. Okay. Because uh, I had two degrees, one in English literature and one in journalism. And uh, the guy I was dating at the time, my freshman year, really wanted to be a DJ. So I went with him downstairs into the boiler room where uh, KUCB was at CU Boulder, and I was mesmerized. I was like, Oh, this is where all the cool kids hang out. Because as you know, the University of Colorado at Boulder is kind of diverse, but 
it's a lot of at the time and during the 90s it was a lot of like trust fund grateful dead kids and jocks and uh the alternative culture was just kind of starting so as far as alternative music and that sort of thing so i couldn't find where all the punk rock kids were and all the like grunge kids and uh you know i think i'm pretty sure i was the only goth still but you know i couldn't figure out where all the cool kids were and they hung out at the radio station so as soon as i knew that i was hooked and i instantly applied for anything they had so i think i was I started out as an operations director, which just is a fancy term for tracking all the PSAs and making sure all the DJs play commercials. And then after that, I kind of snuck into the promotions department. And then after that, I was in the music department for a long time. And I was a DJ for a long time. And then I instantly became music director when the music director, the current one, had left um, to do something else. So I took her place. So it was really fun. It was. I would have to say, any of your listeners that are in college right now, you should definitely seek out the college radio station because that's where all the cool kids hang out. Agreed. And put up with the initial stares and the judgment that's there <laughs> because it'll be worth it. And all those people that are super judgmental at first are just soft little shells underneath. Um, yep. <laughs> for those all DJs are like um, that. All DJs are kind of like they're sketchy when they when new people come down because they don't know if you like know more mu- about music than they do. It's kind of like geek culture. When geeks first meet, uh, sometimes there's a bit of a competition to see who can, you know, who can figure out who knows the most about Star Wars or Battlestar Galactica or Doctor Who. And then and then once you know you have some common ground and one's not more of an expert than the other, you can you can be friends. <laughs> Definitely, it's that initial battle period testing. Exactly. <laughs> That's so complicated sometimes. Um, it is, it is. Yeah. It's Radio 1190 if anyone wants to listen now. It used to be KUCB, and now it's Radio1190.org. Yeah. So is it still music? Because I thought when I left they changed it to talk radio, so I didn't know if they even still play music. Okay. Well, here's what happened. We ended up getting a a, a transmitter donated, and now oh, okay. um, it, it, yeah, it went from um, – it's an AM station now um, because well because of the monopoly – in the area, right. they had to give away one of the transmitters, and so now it's uh, it's it's thriving. You know, it's it's. I had to sneak in because I was not a student, so I probably wow. never met you because I didn't meet anyone else because I was just kind of sneaking in and. Yeah, I graduated in I graduated in '95 and then moved to San Francisco San Francisco in '96. So, I uh, we might have just missed each other. But when I was going to college there, we had to fight for KUCB. I mean, we had to literally every year go to the student council and beg and plead and fight to keep that radio station alive because we didn't have a transmitter. And uh, it was all, I think it was all cable access, or I don't even know what, how we did it. But every year, uh, Westward always gave us the award of best radio station that you can't get. <laughs> Unless you're on campus, so it was like uh, it was so frustrating, and you know we we tried everything we could to get people to listen, and it was you know we had some great DJs, and a lot of those people that worked there, uh, myself included, went on to do music journalism, or work for record labels, or you know manage bands. I know that quite a few people there went on to design school that worked in the promotions department. So there were really a lot of talented, cool, creative people that were there, but, you know, it's hard to get uh, money for for radio uh, when 
most money goes to sports programs or other things when it comes to college. So it was it was definitely a learning experience, and I have to say I probably got a few gray hairs just from, like, trying to keep that station alive. But I'm glad that it's still thriving, even if it is different in some respects. But I, I still have great happy memories. I still have really close friends from when I was the music director there. So it's it's paid off in spades, but I have to say I still have my CDs from there, too. I still have a record collection from that, so... It, it was a fun time for sure, and it, and it jump started me into uh, writing for magazines because I did a lot of um, band interviews and that sort of thing. So it was really fun. Yeah, well, it was hard when I was when I was trying to capsulize an introduction for you or to put it in one thing. I knew everything <laughs> you're saying is still very limited. You know, there's there's many sides to what you're doing, and I think because when you're hustling or when you're freelancing, you just really do what you can. And at this point. You, you know, I think you're in your full stride, but along the way, I mean, you know, so Bonnie's an, uh, an author, but she's written for, you know, many different uh, ma- online magazines and magazines, and so I, I couldn't figure out how to quite introduce you, but how do you, when someone asks you what you do, how do you describe <laughs> yourself? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's hard because, like, uh, as a writer, I, I took the advice from author R.L. Stein, who wrote Goosebumps. Uh, he's a really famous kids author uh, who writes horror horror fiction for children um, and for young adults. And I have to say, his advice was never turn down a writing gig, um, which is I, I know sounds silly, but it really has paid off. Like I've learned how to write in different styles and different formats and different you know for different clients and. I have to say it's it's been great because I've written for magazines like Wired and Bust um, and, and Star Wars Insider. And currently I'm a columnist for SFX Magazine where I write a geek girl column, which has been really fun because I'm a huge Anglophile. I love anything British. Um, so being able to write for one of the top British uh, science fiction entertainment magazines has just been a total treat. Um, but then I've also written for magazines that sadly are no more, like um, Geek Monthly was one of my favorite magazines and I'm still kind of I'm still sad that it's not existing. If you go to my website girl.com, I still have links to it cuz I think I'm in denial uh that it went under. Um cuz it's weird cuz you know a lot of people say print is dead and I don't believe that for a minute cuz I still write for a lot of print magazines. I still subscribe to at least 15 different magazines that I read, everything from New York Magazine to Giant Robot Magazine. So I, I'm very much a reader of actual print media. Um, but, you know, it's hard because in this country, I think magazines really have to fight to survive. Whereas I think in Europe and in Asia, people actually, you know, care about those magazines and keep them. They aren't just throwaway media. And so, you know, the design is so much better. The writing is so much better. So, it's interesting writing for a U.K. magazine um, in addition to U.S. magazine because, you know, you can definitely tell the difference of agenda, um, you know. So it's it's interesting. But, yeah, I've also written books, uh, and then I've written for a ton of different websites. Um, again, some websites still exist, some don't. Um, and a lot of the magazines I write have a web presence, so I, I write blog entries for them as well. So. It's it's kind of all over the place, but it's good. I think as a writer, you have to kind of challenge yourself and do new things. Um, one of the new projects that I'm working on is called Womenthology, and it's a charity project. It's it's a comic book anthology written and created by women, and so it matches up women who are professionals in the comic book industry with amateurs to kind of like give people give women a chance to experience what it's like to write and create a, a, a comic and publish it. And there's all a bunch. Of, 
ton of different kinds of short stories in this book, and it's being published by IDW, and I'm the, one of the editors of it, as well as I'm writing a comic. So I'm a little bit behind on my comic because of Comic-Con. Comic-Con is one of those great derailers of all deadlines, so I kind of got <laughs> a little sidetracked. But, yeah, I, I'm all over the place when it comes to my work, and, and I'm proud of it. You know, I don't want to be uh, pigeonholed into one thing, and I think as a writer or as a creator of anything, you know, creative, as an artist or anything, you want to uh, kind of be all over the place because it gives you a chance to uh, experience new things. So I apologize for being all over the place. But I try. I, I haven't done any video in a while, so at least you didn't have to say anything about the uh, Ask Bonnie vlog that I used to do that you can find on YouTube, and I'm not on radio. The only time I'm ever on radio is when I do podcasts, so that's about it. <laughs> You're stretching all your Sorry, I just body. totally talked your ear off. You're like, can does she No, breathe? no, that's exactly <laughs> what I wanted. I'm really glad okay, you brought good. up Womanthology, because I, I actually didn't know you were involved with it, and... Um, yeah. I, I'm really excited that um, that this is happening. Um, but you just came from Comic Con, so how did you yeah. end up spending your time there this year? Oh wow! So I was on a few panels. I was on a panel about feminism and cosplay called "Oh You Sexy Geek," uh, which was a really fun experience. It's always interesting to hear both sides of you know how women think about other women who dress. Uh, in costumes that may or may not be scantily clad, like the Slave Leia costume and so forth. Um, I'm very pro-geek. Uh, I hesitate sometimes to call myself a feminist because it's such a loaded term, and it can mean so many different things to so many different people. Um, I mean, every wave of feminism contradicts each other. So you can't really it, – it's hard to say you're a feminist without upsetting someone. <laughs> Unless, because, you know, feminists, a lot of feminists want them – want other feminists to believe exactly what they believe or they aren't considered feminist. So I don't really subscribe to that thought process. I kind of would rather be more positive um, and empower women. So I feel like if you want to dress like Slave Leia and you feel sexy and comfortable and confident in it and you love that character genuinely, because um, she, after all, she did kill Jabba the Hutt. I mean, so she isn't like a weak <laughs> character um, in that costume, I might add. Uh, or if you would rather dress as Godzilla, I'm all for that too. So, you know, to me it's like it should be more about your passion and your fandom, not about other women scrutinizing you because you're in a bikini at a convention. Um, so that's kind of what my, you know, viewpoint was. But there was con- there was contradictory viewpoints on this panel as well. And it was with uh, Adrian Curry, who's um, the, one of the winners of America's Next Top Model. She's also very vocal on Twitter, and she's a hardcore video gamer. Um, she has her own guild, and she loves making her own cosplay costumes that, of course, are scantily clad because – Let's face it, if I if we all looked like Adrian Curry, we'd probably all <laughs> dress in bikinis all the time. So, I mean, I was cool with that. And she sat next to me. And then uh, Claire Grant, who's one of the founding members of Team Unicorn, which is a cosplay collective of actresses that um, dress up as their favorite uh, characters. And she's really awesome. Her husband, Seth Green, and her are very vocal in the geek community. So they're kind of like geek royalty. And then there were some great other people on the panel too. Um, Chris Gore showed up late and insulted the entire panel because that's his shtick and it was fun. I thought it was funny, but you know, some people don't get that he's a character, you know, and uh, so that created a little bit of controversy. But I honestly, I think it was a good panel and anything that gets girls, you know, women talking about this, I think is fine. 
um, I, I, I had some great positive reactions, and then I had, you know, some women come up to me that weren't so happy with me, you know, uh, cracking jokes and, and saying funny things that maybe they thought I should have been more serious about. I can't please everyone, but, hey, at least they came up and talked to me. I'm totally cool with open dialogue. So um, so that was one of the panels. I was on a SFX magazine panel about sci-fi journalism which was interesting to talk to other journalists who write for science fiction magazines and for pop culture magazines that deal with geek culture. So that was more or less for freelancers and write, other writers who want to get their foot in the door. So that was interesting. And then probably my most positive and happiest panel that I always love doing, a kids panel every Sunday at Comic-Con. And this year I usually do drawing panels with Katie Cook, who's a great artist. Um, but this year I did the Star Wars, my first Star Wars craft demo at Comic-Con. Now I've done it at WonderCon, I've done it at Maker Faire, I've done it at other conventions that are smaller. This was like 500 children and fans with, uh, you know, they each had a Yoda stick puppet kit and not oh. enough scissors and glue. So it was a lot of trying to convince people to share glue and scissors to make a puppet. Um, I think everyone had fun. There were no breakdowns. No one choked on a googly eye or stabbed each other with, you know, safety scissors or anything, so it worked out. And uh, a lot of kids came up to me and showed me their puppet and were really excited, and I did some book signings for the Star Wars craft book as well. So all in all, it was a great convention, but as you can tell from my voice, I'm still in and out as far as losing it, and uh, it was, it's you know, it's a geek summer camp, so it's a lot of fun. I get to see a lot of friends in the industry that I never get to see because a lot of them live in L.A. and I'm in San Francisco. Well, I'm in New York and the U.K. too, so it, it's a fun way to like meet people on your Twitter feed and have fun with friends. And I, I encourage everyone, if if they haven't gone to Comic Con, to at least go once to experience it because um, it is crazy and it's crowded and it's busy and it's loud. But it's one of those experiences that I think everyone needs to have as a, as a true geek, so you can. Uh, have some sort of, you know, feather in your stormtrooper helmet, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, you're, it's funny, you're the second person. My last week's guest, Bria Grant, she said called it a, a geek summer camp, too. Yeah, it's, it, that's a great way to look at it. I've always called it that um, just because it's in the summer, it's hot in San Diego, unless you're used to heat, which I'm not. So, you know, I'm always sweating, so it feels like summer camp because, you know, you always feel kind of uncomfortable. Um, but it's always fun because you always meet new people. I always make new friends whenever I go, and that's important to me because I, I like to uh, surround myself with positive, funny, interesting, creative people, and that is the best place for, to find that because they all like the same things you do. They're on the comics. They're on the TV and movie shows that that you probably like, whether it's Doctor Who or the Clone Wars or Supernatural, you know, there's there's plenty of fans of that already there. Um, and it's great for networking. So if you want to get into the industry, if you want to become a TV writer or screenwriter or a director or you're making your first film or you're an actor, you know, it's a great place to go to meet people in that same realm and network. So it's not just a fun place to hang out, but it's also a great place to meet people that can, you know, help you get started in what you really want to do in life. Well, you were talking a little bit about um, your your Star Wars craft book, which is the most recent book of yours that came out, but you've also done the, um, a, a couple of the You Can Draw Star Wars books. But um, how how did that end up coming about, the craft part? 
Star Wars craft. Well, the craft part was um, I, I I write for StarWars.com. I'm one of the editors here, and um, the kids section had a lot of uh, interactive stuff as far as digital, and I really wanted some lo-fi stuff. I mean, um, when I was a kid, I loved to draw and I loved to make things, and that wasn't really reflected on the site. So, at the I asked my editor at the time, um, the person that was in charge of the site, is it cool if I just start doing some of these things? And he was like, Yeah, sure, go for it. Um, let's see, you know, how the traffic is, and if it's popular, then we'll keep doing it. And uh, I started doing. I think it was 2004. I want to say is when I, I started doing some of the crafts, and they were easy, like, you know, Star Wars marble magnets and you know masks and and fun stuff that because I wanted to make it as easy as possible for little kids to make um, because it is the kids section. So anyway, I just started doing them, and I started to get a lot of feedback from parents at conventions saying, hey, thanks for you know having crafts on the site because it's fun to be able to do this and share this with my kids. And I was like, yeah, it's totally fine because that's what the whole goal was. But then I would start getting you know a lot more comments from people my age, like in their 30s, saying, hey, thanks for doing this. Now I can pretend I'm a kid and make some crafts, you know, and I never really thought of it in that light, but there are a lot of people that are, you know, single and have some spare time on their hands and want to do something creative, but they don't want to, like, do something too involved. So having a craft that takes maybe a couple hours, they get to, you know, have some fun and play. And so um, it just became this fun thing to do on the site, and I got a lot of feedback, and eventually, you know, um, a public. It, it's interesting because like I didn't really pitch it so far to a publisher, but I let Lucas Books know that I would love to do this book, and so it just sort of came about that the right publisher came along, and of course Del Rey Random House um, does a lot of our books already, and they were interested, and it just sort of happened. And then before that, I did is very similar with the drawing tutorials. You know, they just took off, and a lot of kids loved it, and we'd always do drawing tutorials at conventions, and it would always be a packed house. And I think publishers uh, realized, hey, we haven't had a Star Wars drawing book since I think the 80s. Let's let's update it and do some new stuff with the prequels and and now with Clone Wars and both books do really well. So um and the artists involved in those books um it was uh Matt Bush and Tom Hodges for You Can Draw Star Wars and then Grant Gould for the Clone Wars drawing book. Um all three of those are very extremely talented people. So it was really fun to get them involved in a project as well. So it, you know, those books just kind of came about because that's what the fans wanted, and that's awesome. And hopefully, I'll get to keep doing stuff like that because it's it's fun to do books on the side in addition to my regular work at, at Lucasfilm. So it's fun. What what is your favorite craft in the book that you're most proud of? Oh, uh, there's so many. I mean, a lot of the crafts have backstories too. Like, uh, I made the uh, cuddly bantha, which is uh, it, it, it's. It, it, I hold it dear to my heart because it's <laughs> the reason I made it is I'm a big fan of the Star Wars Holiday Special, which I don't know you know how many people that listening into this remember watching that in I think it was the 70s or, or early 80s, um, and it was um, this great variety show that just had kind of like a ton of different stuff in it. But it was one of the storylines with the stormtroopers were coming to uh, Chewbacca's house to try to find some rebel plans, and they end up ripping apart uh, Chewie's son's favorite toy, which is this bantha. And I was like, oh, I want that bantha. It's so cute. And I knew that we we weren't making any um, on the licensing side, so I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll just create this craft, uh, you know, in, inspired by the holiday special. And 
um, I made it, and it's been really, really successful. Like a lot of fans make little mini banthas um, and make a whole herd of them, which is very cute. And I had a fan come up to me saying that she made little banthas as um, bridesmaids gifts at her wedding, which I thought was really cool. So, and a lot of fans like make their own banthas. There's a little girl that made a pink one that I thought was very sweet, and uh, someone made a like a Batman crossover bantha with a little mask and everything. So it's fun to see what fans do to make it their own. Um, but I have to say my favorite craft probably it's a split between the Chewbacca sock puppet because I love puppets and it's very easy to make and it's very cute and has a lot of personality um, as well as the Jabba the Hutt body pillow. And I love the body pillow because it was incredibly easy craft to make. It got rid of all my old pillows that I didn't want anymore and my dog still sleeps on it. So <laughs> it's and it's kind of adorable because she's adopted it. So any time I take that Jabba the Hut body pillow with me to like a convention or a photo shoot or something, she gets really upset because that's her buddy. So you know, it's a great it's a great dog bed, an ad hoc dog bed. So. <laughs> Well, everyone can find the book uh, through Bonnie's website. It's girl.com, G-R-R-L.com. And on the right-hand side, actually, um, all of our books are linked up there. Uh, Another thing I didn't know about you was that you wrote uh, the book called uh, Girls Against Girls, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and how would would you describe this book to to our listeners? Well, um, I think... The sad thing is, and I think this happens no matter what, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of girl-on-girl bullying that's been going on, and it's not new. I mean, it happened when I was a kid, and uh, honestly, it happens all the way into your adult life, too, which I know that's not a very positive thing to say, but <laughs> sadly, uh, mean girls grow up to be mean women, and uh, it's very easy to slip into really bad, cruel behavior um, when dealing with people, especially when you're hurt. You know, I think we've all fallen prey to the silent treatment. We've all fallen prey to rumors being spread about us that weren't true. Um, We've all had frenemies, friends that seem like friends, but they don't really have our best interests in mind, and they secretly like it when we fail and things like that. Um, So I wanted to write a book that was written for teen girls in kind of their voice, which is ironically still my voice. <laughs> I haven't really grown up. Um, but also, you know, that's meant for them because most of the mean girl books I saw on the market were for parents or for teachers um, or if they were written for women or written for girls, they kind of had this weird voice to it where it sounded either like, you know, hey, don't worry, things will get better. Like it just kind of skirted the issue and didn't really give real advice um, or it was just really, you know, it talk down to them and it it just didn't make any sense to me so I'm like screw it I'm going to write my own book so I wrote this book uh, about all the different behaviors that girls fall into as well as how not to fall into them because another problem with this it's not an us versus them you know we all have the potential to turn into a mean girl with every kind of reaction we have any kind of choice we make on how we treat our own friends so I didn't want it to be a hey you're getting picked on here's the book for you it's more like you know, if you're getting picked on, here's some advice, but also here's some advice so you don't turn into the type of girl that picks on other girls because uh, it's very easy to fall into that kind of cycle. Um, and then, you know, there's some positive suggestions on things you can do to make it better um, as well as some very serious things to deal with, whether it's eating disorders or, you know, cutting or things that you internalize because you're really upset, you know, how to deal with that. So um, I also have quotes from female celebrities scattered throughout 
the book as well. Um, everyone from, you know, Jane Weedlin from the Go-Go's, from Tegan, from Tegan and Sarah. But I also have, you know, girls from, you know, roller derby teams, you know, who are tough, you know, and they know how to deal with mean girls in probably more physical way. Than <laughs> I don't really <laughs> condone that. But, you know, uh, some great advice from them, some great advice from, you know, women artists and writers and actors and directors, um, just basically really successful, positive women that have all had to deal with this when they were teenagers, too, and they give advice. And they also explain why maybe they were mean girls, um, because it's always good to get that perspective so you know what's going on. And I think the best takeaway for me was, and I have to reread my own book constantly because I have to deal with, you know, friend issues and work-related issues all the time and, and just dealing with with women and not knowing why they why they act the way they act. Um, and I think the best takeaway from the book is knowing that, you know, when you come across haters, you know, when you come across, you know, women that – basically are putting you down or they're maliciously gossiping about you or they're ignoring you or whatever, it it very rarely has to do with you. It has to do with those women themselves and whether they're having insecurity issues or they have problems at home or, you know, they're just, they've got stuff that they have to deal with and they're just projecting it on you. And a lot of times you're just an innocent bystander in the way. And a lot of friendship issues is just, there's just not a, a sense of communication. And you always have to talk through things out, you know, if, as long as you keep things open and positive. And sometimes friends grow apart, and that's okay, too. That happens all the time, and it's not you're a bad friend, they're a bad friend. It's just people change, and you have to be okay with that, too. So um, it, it's a great book, I think, of, of solid advice that can help you. And, and I know it helps me, and I'm not just saying yeah. that because I want people to pick up the book. It's like if you, if you, you can take your own should. advice, it's a good book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, Bonnie, I got to tell you, it's been a half hour. Oh no! <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt that train of thought because I really wanted that to come to a close. But oh, no, um, it's so sad. We had yeah. so much fun talking, and I just, I just we rattled did. on, I, and you didn't get to talk. Well, no, I wanted to hear about you. That's why you're on my oh, show. Okay. But uh, once again, <laughs> we have about thirty seconds left on the show. Um, everyone, okay. please head over to girl.com, G-R-L.com. Uh, you can buy her books on there, but also head over to the Star Wars blog, and um, you can listen to this podcast later at sarahteatime.com. I am going to have to hang up now, Bonnie, but I hope we get to talk again really soon. Yeah, and, find, uh, me on Twitter. Twitter. find me on Twitter, and we'll talk on Twitter. Okay, it sounds good. Okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Sarah T. Time. Weekly podcast with Sarah T. Go ahead too, all night.